Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. Today's guests do not need a formal introduction, as I know, like me, you already love their highly influential, thought-provoking and intelligent podcast as much as I do. But given that I start every episode in the same way, here goes. In today's healthy conversation, I'm super excited to be joined by Michelle and Zara, the creative brains and voices behind one of our country's most successful podcasts, Shameless. Launching in 2018, Michelle and Zara started Shameless while working together at one of the leading media outlets here in Melbourne. Clocking over 1 million downloads in the first year of airing, Shameless Podcast has now had over 10 million downloads and is listened to religiously by smart women across the world. Joining me today while in isolation, I was eager to find out about the girl's new book, The Space Between Us, that hits bookshelves across the nation from the 1st of September, as well as how they have learned to let go of control during 2020, the earlier days of building a brand, and how they continue to inspire women to use their voice. Here's Michelle and Zara. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Pure Harvest's new range of delicious nut milks. Available in three dairy-free flavours, nut bliss, lush almond and creamy cashew, you'll never have to worry about having ordinary milk again. Pure Harvest's new range of no ordinary milks are available at leading independent supermarkets and health food stores Australia-wide. Hello, beautiful girls, and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you both? We are good. God, we said that in unison. We are good, though. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to chat to you both. We are all in isolation at the moment, so unfortunately, we can't be hanging out having this beautiful chat in person, but nevertheless, I'm sure it'll be just as fun. Um, You have both been so busy. Tell me what's been going on. We have been busy. I mean, it's a weird time, right? Because we're all in our respective apartments and kind of like holed up in pajamas all day. But despite that, we have been busy. We've um, been working on shameless media, of course, as always, but we are finally now releasing the book that we have been working on, Zara, for how long? I think we signed this contract in late March or early April 2019. So it has been a year and a half in the making and we are so excited but also like relieved to be here. Oh, so exciting. My goodness, what a process for you girls. Oh, huge. I think bigger and kind of more lengthy than even I had imagined because I guess the book writing process in the publishing industry is a bit of an enigma. Like neither of us, even as writers and journalists, had much insight into what it was like, and even entering into it and starting to write a book, we were like, this is a long process. But I think we found great relief in that because we thought, well, incredible. This means that a lot of eyes will be looking over it and people will be taking their time with it. And if there's one thing that we've never really been afforded in digital media or even in podcasting, Madeline, you'd understand things move quite quickly and you don't often have time and space. So that's been really lovely. Yes. Yeah, I could imagine. And we are finding ourselves in quite wild times, as Mm. you both know, being in Melbourne. So how have you girls been prioritising your self-care at the moment? 
Oh, you know what? I feel like in lockdown 2.0, I have tackled it in an entirely different way to what I did in lockdown 1.0. So the first time around, I was like, it's a pandemic. I'm just going to rug myself up in a blanket and eat whatever food I want and chill out however I want and watch a bunch of Netflix. And while that was great for the first lockdown, I think it kind of helped me cope with what was going on in some respects. I was also like an anxious wreck and at the end of the first lockdown, I looked at my partner and I was like, I just can't do that again. Like the way we did it, I just felt so down and so depleted. And like, if I was color for those weeks, I would be the color gray. Like I just had no (laughs) vibrancy at all to life. So with the second lockdown, my boyfriend and I have approached it in an entirely different way. We've gone like a full health kick for the last six or seven weeks now. And I feel so much better. I feel a lot more positive and sprightly uh, when I get out of bed every morning because we've been eating so healthfully, much to Zara's dismay because I keep <laughs> rubbing it in her face every single day. I'm just more like, enjoy your weekends, enjoy your food, because I think <laughs> if there's one thing that um, my sanity has depended on, particularly in both lockdowns, it's been cooking with my boyfriend and just cooking like big meals that take like five or six hours to put together because what else are you doing on your Saturday afternoon? <laughs> so for me, my self-care is that, being able to cook with him and spending a lot of time in the kitchen with him. I'm a horrendous cook, but he's actually quite good. Um, and I guess for me, the other thing that I've been doing, I actually, I've actually struggled more this round than I did last time. And I think to be totally honest with you, I credit that a little bit to the weather. I think mm, yes. earlier in the year, when I was adapting to lockdown, I was walking, going for a walk before work and after work and going for a run in the middle of the day because the days were so beautiful and kind of grappling with a really quiet existence in the confines of your home when you can't, A, aren't allowed to go outside for more than an hour a day and B, it's just a bit grey and dreary, has been a bit harder. But I think for me, it's walking outside and getting some fresh air. I just feel so much more kind of rejuvenated once I'm able to do that. It's such a simple thing. Absolutely. I know it's so simple, but it's free to us and we're still allowed to do it. So I think it's such a (laughs) bonus and it's definitely something that um, has really helped me this time around, well, through the whole process. But another thing um, that's really helped for me is reading and I got my copy of your new book today. So I am so excited to be able to start that tonight. I actually just finished a book and started a new one, which I'm totally not into. And I was like, okay, this is really not good. I need a new book. And voila, <laughs> in my mail today, <laughs> you came to you like this one. Jesus, precious on Zara. <laughs> no, I'm so, so excited. So thank you for all the love that you've put into that. I'm so excited to hear all your wonderful thoughts. But I guess there has been a huge factor this year has really been learning to let go of control. I guess, Mm. you know, we've all come to the realization that control is probably an illusion and we never really, really had control, even if we used to think we did. So I'd love to know how you guys personally have kind of dealt with that, especially being business owners. And I'm sure having all these grand plans um, and expectations of the way you would want certain things or launches to go. Yeah. Oh, it's been such a huge pivot for us, not only in our business lives, but in our personal lives as well. Uh, I've been very public in the past with my struggles with anxiety disorder. And I think anyone listening to this who has anxiety will know that the sensation of not having control is probably an anxious mind's worst nightmare. 
So this pandemic, to be honest, the first time we went into lockdown, it was one of the darkest months or two months of my life. I, I struggled with it incredibly. But I think inevitably you have to come to the conclusion and come to the realization that you just kind of have to go with the flow and you just have to accept things. I'm the kind of person where I am type A. I try to be really diligent about things. I kind of put my everything into what I'm passionate about. And if you had told me in January that we would be launching this book and we wouldn't be able to be in the same room together and we wouldn't be able to tour the country as we were planning to do live shows to launch it, I would have, I don't know, evaporated into thin air because I would have been so upset. That's <laughs> the <that>. drama. <laughs> The fact of the matter is I'm totally fine with it now. Like yeah. I, I know it's not ideal and I know that the way we're launching this book and the way we're going about work this year is so far from what we first imagined. But I, I honestly, I'm not phased by it anymore. And I don't. Yeah. I wonder if it's just that my, my mindset has completely shifted, that this is the reality and this is how it's going to be and maybe that's a really great learning curve to experience at 26. What do you think, Zara? Well, I think it's kind of something that everybody's coming to terms with now. And I think it's been one of the best parts about this year is realizing how adaptable we all are. Mm. Like you adapt to your scenario pretty quickly. And I think when anyone or any time anyone asks how we are in Melbourne at the moment, because things are very different here, you just kind of say, well, we're in it now and you just adapt really quickly. So for me, when we're talking about the concept of not having control, interestingly, it doesn't actually stress me out that much. Sometimes I actually find it kind of freeing mm, to be like, yeah. okay, well, there's a certain amount I can't control. There's always a certain amount I can control. So yeah. now I have less things to worry about and I can kind of focus my energy on the things that I can control. And I, I don't know, I, I've quite enjoyed that this year being like, all right, well, there's a certain few things that we will always have at our control, dare I say, yeah. I keep using that word at the same time. Oh, you keep using that word heaps, but there's always certain few things and I, I don't mind honing in on that. I do find it quite freeing. You know what as well? I think it's almost made us better at our jobs. I think being thrown some of the problems that have come up with COVID has really honed our problem-solving skills and I'm proud to look at this year and see even some of the people we've managed to get on the podcast, which Looking at the beginning of the year, I never thought we'd be able to get those people on. But by design of everyone being stuck at home and everyone having to do internet recordings, it opened up so many doors for us professionally with who could come on the show. So absolutely, as much as the lack of control was daunting, I think having to find new solutions has actually been really beneficial to us as business people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I know you're the same way you'd always do interviews in person. And obviously that puts such a barrier at times on trying to coordinate people's schedules to be in the same place at the same time. Um, so I had never done an online recording before. And same thing now I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is actually really quite easy yeah, and really yeah. good. And you get the same outcome. So no, I can absolutely resonate with so much of what you were saying. And I think exactly what you were saying, Zara, as well. I've definitely found a lot of freedom in not having so much to worry about and yeah. to to constantly think about and I uh, there's a beautiful quote that I shared recently on Instagram and it said that we have three things that we can control which is I'll probably end up stuffing this up <laughs> 
I'm very sleep deprived at the moment. Um, but it was the um, the thoughts that we think, the actions that we take, and the things that we visualize. And it's just so true in the power of, I guess, our mind and we have control over our thoughts every single day. Like we wake up and choose how we want to approach the day, what perspective we want to take with that day. And I've found a lot of comfort in only having to worry about those things. And as soon as I get too caught up in, oh my goodness, like what if this doesn't go to plan? What if that doesn't happen? What if I can't do that for another six months? I just think back and think, no, you can control your mind right now. So let's just, let's focus on that. And that's all that you need to do. So yeah, that's yeah, I definitely think that that's a really a nice way of of thinking of it. Oh yeah, completely. And I think it's been crucial for us to be able to have that mindset, particularly when it comes to the business, because I think at the start of this year, when things started to fall over and you started to realize that the entire world was starting to look very different, mm-hmm. that you needed to make sure that your mindset was the most important thing. And I think Mish and I have constantly come back to the center being like, all right, well, what can actually, what can we control in this scenario? Because I'm not worrying about anything else outside of that. I'm concerned about the stuff that we can control. And that, like I said, has been quite freeing. And I think it's also freed up a lot of our energy to focus in on our content. I think we spend so much of our year usually flying and traveling for work. And the idea that we can kind of sit in the same place and just create has been kind of a a silver lining of this time too. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting discussion, the whole I can control the way my mind works, because I do agree. The one thing I would say is that sometimes I personally can't. Like I think for anyone with a mental illness, sometimes that mindset can be a little bit disempowering personally for me to take. I love that other people take it and it's so great to hear that that works for, for you, Madeline. Personally, it's like it's a matter for me of being gentle on myself that if I can't control how my mind feels in that particular moment, I know that I can control certain things to kind of like bolster my mental health, that I can do mindfulness or I can go for a run or I I can eat well or do things that are good for my anxiety. So I think it's kind of like different shades of that for every person, right? Definitely. And I'm so glad that you touched on that because I know there would be so many people listening who would be resonating with exactly what you said. So I'm really glad that you touched on that. I guess for you guys, prior to launching Shameless, you know, I haven't asked you either about launching Shameless at the start because (laughs) I know that every single one of my listeners adores your show and listens to your podcast. We often get tagged um, in quite a lot of similar My Favourite Podcasts. So I definitely know my listeners know exactly who you are. (laughs) But prior to launching Shameless, uh, I guess, did you girls, you know, you were both working in the media industry for a very well-known media outlet. Did you have this kind of inner knowing, I guess, that there was always something bigger for you or like when you were sitting at your desk, I'd love to kind of get in your headspace of of those thoughts and those inner feelings that you would have about what was next for you. Gosh, no, I don't think, I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of both of us, but I, I, I don't think <laughs> Nothing that, new. <laughs> I don't think that we did it all, to be totally honest with you. Like I really enjoyed working in digital media. I enjoyed parts of my job and It's not as if both of us sat there and thought, oh, there's this thing we could be doing. Both of us sat there and thought, well, we're working in digital media. It is an incredibly fickle industry. God knows if we we will be able to find a job after this one because jobs are just so hard to come by. 
at the moment, we kind of only really have one skill set and that's writing and we need to kind of create a new skill set for ourselves. And so that was the thought process. It was, let's teach ourselves how to podcast so that if we ever need to find another job, which we will eventually, then we've got this on our resume and we can say, look at this thing that we created. We have an (laughs) initiative. We can do this. Yeah, awesome. Almost by accident, that became our job. Yeah, 100%. It was more for us that we felt like we felt like our jobs themselves were stable, but that potentially we would be asked to move to Sydney. And that wasn't in Zara or my plan to move to Sydney. We love living in Melbourne. Our family and our friends are all in Melbourne. And we thought, okay, well, there's not much media here. Like, what are we going to do in Melbourne? All the magazines, which are of course now defunct, but this is back in 2017, 2018 that we were having these conversations. All the major magazines, all the major uh, digital publications are in Sydney. And so for us, it was more creating something here that could safeguard us and give us these skills that could make us hireable. So all we knew at the time was that Shameless was a good idea. We really, truly knew that from the get-go. From the second we had it, we thought we would listen to this show, our sisters would listen to this, our friends would listen to this. And that was all we had, but that was more like so more than enough for us that we thought, okay, if we've got an idea and we think that we ourselves would listen to it and that women like us would listen to it, then that's enough for us to take the leap and take the risk. Yeah, I love that. I And the reason I asked that question is, I guess, you know, having a corporate background myself where I was in a very secure job that I loved, I felt like I just always had this intrinsic belief that there was something more. I didn't know what it was. So I guess that that's why I really wanted to touch on that question to just think at that younger age when you're in that career that is very desirable, um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of your friends used to be in awe of the jobs that you had um, if there was kind of that inner belief that there was more to you. So I, I love that that take on it. What was kind of then one of the biggest barriers for you? Did fear ever come into play when it came to actually leaving your jobs? To be honest, no, not really. And I don't say that as a big brag as in like we're just completely fearless. It kind of got to a point where we were stuck with the decision and the decision was do you want to keep doing this podcast or do you want to keep your job? Because it kind of just became a bit of a conflict with our jobs and we thought, okay, well, what are we going to do? We were – 23 I think and we were just picking between these two things and we both thought well what if we really got to lose here like we have no dependence we are in a position where I went and found another job Michelle went and freelanced while we tried to make shameless a thing like we had the ability to do that for a little bit and so when it comes to fear it wasn't like we were kind of making the decision on our own, I kind of feel like our hand was forced and that was a good thing and that was a blessing because you didn't really have time to have fear. You just were faced with two options and when those two options are in front of you, it's kind of a case of like asking everyone around you, which one should I do, which one should I do, knowing full well what you wanted them to say back to you, which was dump the job, go follow this podcast. <laughs> do shameless. <Yeah. laughs> and it's something we admire about you, Madeline. I mean, you left a job to do something solo and I think that in and of itself is incredible. Zara and I always had each other to lean on. So there was moments of fear. There were certainly moments of fear, but in those moments, one of us would always inevitably be feeling stronger and better than the other one. I feel like that's so 
true for our relationship and our dynamic between Zara and I and that we lift each other up in the moments that we need it. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just chance or if we naturally pick up on it, we intrinsically know when we need to be that strong kind of pillar for the other person yeah. and lift them lift them out of that fear. And I think moments of fear and moments of trepidation certainly came in the first 12, 18 months, how they like they come now even. But having a partner to do it with is so, so enjoyable and like really beneficial for those moments because I don't think I'd be able to do this by myself. I don't think I'd be brave enough to. I definitely wouldn't be. We'll be right back after this healthy break. Are you looking for a healthy non-dairy milk alternative that's made the right way? Then look no further than Pure Harvest. I stopped using ordinary milks many years ago and started using the delicious nut milks from Pure Harvest for my coffees, smoothies and soups. Since day one, I've chosen Pure Harvest as they are free from preservatives and added sugars and only contain the best and cleanest ingredients. Well, now I'm so excited to let you know that Pure Harvest have extended their range of non-dairy milk with the launch of No Ordinary Milk, which contain three new non-dairy flavours, Nut Bliss, Lush Almond and Creamy Cashew. You'll never have to worry about having ordinary milk again. With no added sugars, preservatives or flavours, Pure Harvest range of No Ordinary Milks use whole organic ingredients to make beverages that taste great and most importantly, make you feel good. Pure Harvest's new range of Nom Nut Milks are now available at selected leading independent supermarkets and health food stores Australia-wide. I actually originally launched this with a friend, so I can completely agree with what you're saying. And it's funny, people often say like, oh, how did you get the confidence to do it? I'm like, well, I kind of had someone by my side at the start that was exactly that. You know, they were the strength when you needed it or whenever those negative thoughts would overtake and you'd start questioning yourself. So Mm -hmm. I love watching your relationship and just how supportive you are of each other. It's such a beautiful thing. And I think it's, you know, it's so important to celebrate those relationships and you to celebrate each other and, and lift each other up so well. We all know that there's no such thing as an overnight success. So much, <laughs> so much hard work um, goes into building a brand and building an audience. And I listened to a podcast. I actually can't remember which one it was, but it was a while ago. Um, you girls did an interview and you were talking about, you know, going to all the universities and putting up posters and that yes. in the earlier days. And I loved hearing that so much. I just think it showed how much go you had and passion from the get-go. So when it comes to actually building the brand, what did the earlier days look like for you girls? Yeah, well, that was a big one for us, putting up posters of Kim Kardashian and Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. (laughs) Yeah, literally posters in the women's bathrooms at university. So we went around, we did like RMIT, we did Deakin, Monash University, Melbourne, all of the big ones. We spent a lot of time doing that. But in the very, very early days, we made a lot of mistakes. We channeled our energy into areas that we probably shouldn't have. We tried to get a Twitter account off the ground, despite the (laughs) fact that Zara and I, while we love Twitter, we have never gravitated towards actually doing the tweeting ourselves and we were pretty deplorable at it and ignored the fact that our listeners as young 20-somethings weren't on Twitter, like they were on Instagram. So it took a bit of time, like a few months at least, for us to figure out 
how to communicate with our own audience and how to engage with them. But it was a slow burn. Like we had no marketing behind us. We had no budget. I remember every time we'd print off posters in one of the universities, we had to scrap together $70 because that was the cost of printing off that many colored sheets of paper at office work. So Zara would send me 35, I'd do the other 35 and we'd print (laughs) them off. And that was like our full marketing budget for the month. So, and that was out of our own personal money. Like in the early days, we had to obviously buy all the equipment. You would know, Madeline, that podcasting equipment is not cheap. We had to dip into our savings for all of it. So it was scrappy in the early days, to say the least. I love that so much though, but it just shows like what it actually takes. It's it's so funny that quote um, goes around a lot about done is better than perfect. Yes. And I think like in early days of business, that was something that definitely got me through is like, you just have to do it or else you, I personally find it, that's when the fear can become quite paralyzing if you're too focused on getting things right or having them exactly perfect. So I loved hearing um, that story of you girls and, and what you were doing to spread the word of the podcast. It was awesome. So from a book perspective, I know on your show, you always ask your listeners what you are reading um, or listening to. What is a book for you two that has been quite inspirational or inspiring on your business journey? I actually have not read that many books about work or self-help. Michelle, have you? I was just thinking about this. No, I know that a lot of people in the media, like I know Zoe Foster Blake reads a bunch of business and like not self-help, but like business and I don't even know what other word I'm looking for, like organizational (laughs) books. She reads them all the time. I don't. I don't know why. I just don't find them that interesting. Well, that's the thing. And I think this is kind of a thread that uh, people will find about us generally is that, yes, we were scrappy in the early days, but we still kind of are like at the (laughs) risk of sounding a bit woo-woo, like we deal a lot with intuition. We deal a lot with gut, but we also listen a lot. Like we spend a great deal of time observing and listening what people are saying, what people are doing, what our listenership wants, what they're feeling, what they're consuming. And I think that that is why we've been able to grow the business because I think that we're okay observationalists and I think that we're okay listeners. And I think if you can kind of step back and look at what everybody else is doing and what your listeners want, then then you can kind of give them the content that they've been craving without realizing it. Mm. Um, so, no, I've actually never read a book that I feel inspired with regards to business, which is so funny. Maybe we should start with Well, I was just thinking as far as a, like from a writing perspective, I've certainly read books that have inspired me to write in the way that I do now. Those authors that stand out to me would be like the Nora Ephrons. I think Nora Ephron is incredible and I love her books of short essays, but I've only ever taken inspiration in that facet of life, in like a creative mindset, certainly not from a business or organizational mindset. Cause I'm just not that kind of person. Like I'm a very, um, I'm very ideas oriented over anything else. And Zara will be the first to tell you that because I suck <laughs> at reading emails. Not so good. No. <laughs> I love that. I definitely think you are one way or the other. Like I am obsessed with self-help books. It's literally 
it sounds weird calling them self-help, but anyway, self-development, <laughs> self-help, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's quite a joke with my husband. Every time I get one, he's like, oh, here's another self-help book. Here she goes again. But, you know, I, I love them. I really do. And I don't necessarily read anything else but them. So I love that you haven't really resorted to books. When it comes to listening to your community then, how do you go about that? Like, how do you start the conversation outside of the podcast with your community? It's not hard because often they're coming to us, whether that be in an Instagram DM, in an email. It used to be through our Facebook group. We're pretty open to having conversations with them about what is being on the podcast. I reckon we would receive like 50 DMs a week from people being like, can you talk about this? Can you talk about this? Can you cover this? So it's pretty easy from that point straight away to be able to understand what they want. But before that, if we're talking about kind of intuition and gut and trying to kind of build a brand before the audience is there, we were asking the people around us. We were checking our WhatsApp group chats. We were talking to our sisters. We were being really, almost trying to kind of look at our conversations from a bird's eye view and be like, all right, well, this is something that we're talking about. Maybe it's just not just a conversation between me and Mish. Maybe this is a conversation that other people are having in other group chats or in other workplaces and maybe this should go on the podcast. So it was very much trying to work out what are the trends that we're seeing in conversations and how can we bring that onto the podcast. When it comes to, say, a person or a conversation that your audience are DMing you or are wanting you to have, and it doesn't sit well with you in either your your gut or that that knowing feeling of, oh, I don't think that this is a topic we really want to cover, how do you approach that? Because I'm sure there's been situations over time or maybe people you haven't wanted to talk about. It's an interesting one. I mean, I think our audience knows now, and we've discussed this a lot on the podcast, that when we first began shameless, we were small, right? Like we were a little dog and anyone that we talked about, it was punching up, not punching down. And we've, it's always been a core principle of ours to play the action, not the woman. So if there was something that someone was doing online, particularly when it comes to sharing medical misinformation has been a huge one that frustrates Zara and I, or someone who misled women when it comes to science and medicine, We would talk about that action. We would never talk about the woman at the center of it though because we never want to be nasty. We never want to be bitchy or get overly personal with someone that we've never even met. I think our listeners know now that considering Shameless has grown so much, we can no longer play that role like we used to. I don't actually think it's fair to. I think we have to be so responsible with what we do with our audience. Like If we're going to send 200,000 people after someone you would hope that person has done something really terrible. Like to do that to someone and to take that risk, we take incredibly, incredibly seriously. So I think now, like I know lots of people want us to call out certain influencers or really come for someone who's doing something online, particularly on Instagram that they might not like. But as journalists and as humans, we're not comfortable with that anymore. Like the power dynamic has shifted And I think we would personally, we've also matured. We were 23 when we began this podcast and we cared a lot more about perhaps like Instagram influencers and the influencer economy than what we do right now at 26. So I think we just listen to ourselves and we think, okay, well, is this is what our friends and our sisters are talking about? And if it's not, then that's fine. And we often acknowledge that something might be what Shameless covered in 2018 in March of that year, but in what, August, September 2020, it's just not right for us anymore. 
And I think just jumping in there, Mish, like I think it's also, it's more about being sparing with that kind of stuff. Like if there needs to be a segment on us holding someone to account or saying, hey, we're not really stoked with how this person went about this thing, then we'll do it if we think it's worthy. But we have to be sparing with it because we are so completely cognizant of the power you have when you're speaking to that many people and you have to be responsible about that. Like we're trained journalists and we know we need Mm. to be fair and the story needs to be there. I'm not going to kind of push out this half-baked segment just for the sake of outrage because that's what people want. Yeah, I love that you've always, one, stayed so true to your values, but have always thought about the people as well, the person, and and realising that you you have a very, very influential platform right now. So it's such an amazing thing that you girls have created. I do want to talk about your book, though. We touched on it at the start, but it is available for pre-order now, and it is due to hit bookshelves on the 1st of September. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. What can the readers expect? A lot of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of us. I think um, what's interesting about this book, and I don't know if we've actually said it that much because you kind of forget that people don't know what it is. Like because it's been, our heads have been in it for a year and a half, I forget that we need to be very explicit about what it's about. But there is a lot of us in this book. I think we share more about ourselves in this book than we ever have on the podcast. We share stories and experiences in some cases, traumas. Um, So it's interesting in that sense that people can probably get more context about us because Mm -hmm. there are some stories we've held very close to our chest and some that we've had time and space now to pen down and feel really confident about sharing. Yeah. So we sat down, like when we first started writing this book and kind of coming up with the ideas that we wanted to touch on, it was pretty clear to us that when we were kind of putting these stories down on a Google Doc that they kind of fit into four key sections. So we tell a lot of stories in love. Um, There's a lot of career chat in ambition. We then have a whole section on mind and body where we speak a lot about everything from endometriosis to anxiety to detox diet teas on Instagram and (laughs) sun tanning. Then we have our final section, which is on voice. And that was a really important one for us, not just because we're podcasters and we clearly use our voices all the time, but because I think one of the the prominent lessons we've taken away from Shameless is that hopefully it has empowered some women, and we know because those women have reached out to us, to use their own voice and to stand up for what they believe and to tell their stories and to feel no shame in that. So I'm so happy that we settled on those four core sections because I think while a lot of books talk about your 20s through the lens of love and romantic relationships, there's so much more. Like we t- we touch on sex and love and dating But we also wanted to touch on career and grappling with a chronic illness and going through something really traumatic and how that has shifted our perspective on life. So hopefully anyone who reads the book kind of closes the final page and feels like they took something away from it or that they felt seen or heard by one aspect, whether that was a piece we did on loneliness or a piece we did on toxic friends or something we did on toxic workplaces. And how did that feel for you sharing those more vulnerable stories? The best part about this is we've had a lot of time. So there's definitely been a lot of instances where we've kind of passed our essays to the other and been like, can you read through this? And 
in reading through it, one of us has said to the other, are you sure you're happy to share X, Y, and Z about that? Or are you sure you feel comfortable about this section of it? And I think that's been a huge blessing for us because it's meant that we've always sort of had someone goalkeeping for us a bit to make sure that we're not oversharing for the sake of oversharing, Mm -hmm. that the stuff we're sharing is true and we're comfortable with it and we've had a lot of time to process it. Um, It's super weird knowing that like maybe my aunties or my grandma (laughs) might read like very intimate parts about my life. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like you just never, ever have these conversations over the dinner table. But they're going to be out in the world and um, I don't know, at least you have full control over that narrative because they're all, it's your words. Yeah. And it's been so great to work on them, as Zara said, over the course of months. Like obviously with digital media backgrounds, we're used to writing things and pushing them up onto a website and having a million different sets of eyes on them within half an hour or 90 minutes or whatever, like very, very short timelines. So to be able to sit down and write a piece in June and still be curating it and editing it in February of this year was such a brilliant process because some of the more important pieces in this book where I dive into things that I've experienced or past traumas, the first essay I put out ended up being almost entirely different, like hardly anything was carried on into the last essay. And I think that process was so great because it meant that I could actually get to the heart of what I thought was helpful in that piece rather than what was the most traumatic part of it, which I think I needed to get out. I think sometimes, and anyone who writes, whether it's professionally or just in a diary or the notes section of your iPhone app, We'll know that the first piece that comes out is like the most cathartic because you're just getting feelings down on paper and you're getting the first preliminary thoughts down on paper. So to be able to kind of push that to one side and get to some of the lessons was the most clarifying thing, not just as writers, but as people. I think this book has helped me personally, and I wonder if Zara agrees, it has helped me personally work through some things, even things that I had seven years to process. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, we write about, you know, very different things over the course of this book, but it's a pretty big privilege and a pretty big luxury to be able to have time and space to consider things and process things, even things that aren't even a huge deal, but it's just a privilege to be able to kind of look back on things in hindsight and try to package them in a way for other people. Like that's awesome. And I think everyone would benefit from that. So as an experience by itself, that's been an incredible thing. Well, I honestly cannot wait to read it. So thank you so much for my coffee and thank you so much for joining me today. It's honestly um, been a real privilege to interview you girls and I won't lie, I have not been nervous for a podcast interview for so long. Oh, no, so right. nervous you about that you very, very well. I could ne- I couldn't tell you were nervous at all. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like interviewing the queens of podcasting, oh, but thank stop. you so much. I know, and we get so nervous in these things talking about ourselves, so we should have told you that from the start. What oh. <laughs> a bundle of nerves, who knew? No, thank you both so much. I'm just in awe of what you've created and the community that you continue to inspire every day. So I hope you were so incredibly proud of what you've created before this book and now even more so sharing your experiences that I know will help so, so many people. So thank you for joining me and wishing you girls all the very best. Thank Thank you you so much. We love your work. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. 
If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.